You are listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Connect with me on YouTube at Past Life Lady or on my Facebook fan page at Past Life Lady. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Hi friends, Dr. Shelley here. Guess what? You're not going to believe this. I have another book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide. It will be out on December 8th and it's called Blast from the Past, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories. So earlier in the 2000s, I wrote a book series, which I have discussed on the Healing Arts Podcast about a phenomenon I call Supretravi, Spontaneous Past Life Memories. This is when we're trying to mind our own business And yet we're hit with this picture, thought, or feeling about something that happened to us in the past. This was happening to me all the time while I was traveling to other places. And what I found through my research is that I truly believe this happens to every single person alive. The book has some incredible endorsements from people like Coast to Coast's George Norrie and others. And it would mean the world to me if you will go out and pre-order my book so that you can have it before the holidays when it comes out on December 8th. So check out Blast from the Past, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories, now available in pre-order on Amazon.com. And thank you so much for your support. Namaste. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Care. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. I'm Shelley Care. You can visit me online at pastlifelady.com. So I am continuing to bring you amazing guests, and today's guest is certainly no exception. Um, Joe McQuillan is here. He has been through something that no one would want to go through. Today, we're going to be talking about his second book in a series. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but we're not done yet, Pop. My Lessons from the Other Side, which documents his journey after the tragic death of his son, Chris. Joe, first off, it's heartfelt. I just want to say my condolences to you and your family. My heart goes out to all of you for what you've been through. Thanks, Shelly. I appreciate it. You know, it is, it's a heartbreaking experience. There's no doubt about it, you know, and and there's a line from the, the movie Manchester by the Sea where the woman 
who lost some kids said, uh, my heart was broken. It'll always be broken. And, and that's it is, you know, I have a full life, two wonderful kids on this side, wonderful wife. We just celebrated 30 years anniversary. Uh, I'm sober. I celebrated my 36 years sobriety, relatively successful. Uh, thanks. Uh, very grateful for that. Um, you know, yet, and, and I live a full life yet. I go through life with and every parent who's gone through this with, with a piece of your heart that'll always be broken until you connect again um, on the other side, until you cross, you know, then, then you'll be whole again, at least then I'll be whole again. I'll only speak for me. Right. And this is the second book. And so right. I was wondering for people who haven't seen the first book, we're going to have links to both and you need to check them out friends. Could you just share a little bit about Chris and what happened? So that so we that's can... that's the, the the first book is my search for Christopher on the other side, and uh, and they're both on Amazon. So, you know what happened was in 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 Christmas of uh, 2015, uh, my son was home from college. My oldest boy, I have three kids, and and Christopher was 21, and and he was home from college, and. And they were all getting ready to go back to school. And he was at Northern Illinois University, which is not far, you know, just a, an hour and a half straight west of us. But all his high school friends, new trio friends, were all home for, for the, the final hurrah before they all went back to school. And they, uh, they went up to a, uh, one of their friends had a, uh, had a lake house in, in, uh, in, in uh, Lake Beulah, which is an, an hour and a half north in Wisconsin. And, uh, so they decided they were going to kick up their heels for the last weekend, spend the night, uh, Saturday night, and come back on Sunday. And, and I'm from Buffalo, as you can tell with the jerseys behind me, you know, uh, go Bills, by the way. And, uh, Yay. And, and so we were going to watch a Bills game the next day. So, you know, I always concerned, you know, like his old man, Chris had a little bit of a wild side, you know, and, uh, and so I was kind of relieved that he was going up to this bucolic setting with 12 buddies, um, guys, gals, instead of going into the city, which is always gives me a little bit of, of concern anytime, you know, we're about 20 miles north of Chicago. Mm. Um, so we went up there and they did what kids will do. They, you know, shooting pool at a tavern, kicking up their heels, drinking too much, went back to this, uh, lake house. Um, and at three o'clock in the morning, you know, four of them went outside walked by a, uh, a boathouse, opened up, and there were some canoes. There were life rafts available or life uh, vests and didn't put any on. And four men jumped, four boys jumped in a three-man canoe and and paddled out to uh, to a partially frozen lake in, in January of 2016 in Wisconsin. And uh, it was a perfect storm, you know, untied Timberland boots and, and layered clothing and cold water and, and a little bit too much to drink. And, and all four of them paddled out and none of them made it back. Um, you know, I got a call that day from the friend whose parents owned the lake house. His name's Scotty. And Scotty said, Mr. McHugh, Chris and, and some friends are missing. And, and I'd been texting him saying, Hey, will you coming home? And, uh, jumped in the car and drove up and halfway up, I got a call from his uncle who lived in the area and said it was no longer a search, but a recovery, but all four had drowned. 
you know, and, uh, you know, the rest of it was very honestly, uh, Shelly, the rest of it was a bit of a, a fog, you know, maybe shock. I don't know. And I drove up and, and to this day, I, I, I walked into the lake house and, and through a big uh, picture window, I could see the boats, the emergency boats out on the lake with flashing lights. And, and one group of parents were in the corner crying. Another group of the kids were all huddled together and, uh, you know, shaken, obviously. And I just wandered around and started making the, the phone calls back to his mom and uh, his godfather and his godmother was my sister who's with him now on the other side. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, and, it, you know, I, they wouldn't in Wisconsin, you can't identify a body. They won't let you identify a, a, a photo. And, and I'm a pretty hard nosed guy, pretty strong willed guy. And I would have expected that I would have put up a beef about that, but you're kind of beaten at that point. You know, you just go along with the program, you know, and, and there were a bunch of arrangements to be made, obviously, you know, and, uh, so after it was all said and done and I started driving back and I started thinking about all the arrangements and, uh, you know, things you never think about, funerals, plots, churches, uh, burials, gravestone, you know, nothing a parent should ever have to think about with a 21 year old kid. But, <clears throat> you know, the, that was the list that, that, that kind of filled me uh, on the way back, you know, and, William wrote, who's 25 or 21, 22 today, actually. Uh, and he's in Nashville to see the Buffalo Bills play the Tennessee Titans for his birthday. But he, uh, he wrote uh, a wonderful uh, paper, heartbreaking, called The First or the Worst, about when he heard his mom wail when I called her, you know. So it doesn't affect just the parents. It affects, the, you know, obviously the siblings and, and anybody else around, you know. Um, you know, and it, and anybody who says to you, shall that, uh, time heals all wounds, hasn't lost a kid, you know, it doesn't change, you know, uh, you can live this wonderfully joyful life, but a part, part of you is always, always just a little broken, you know, um, you know, there's a, a there's an incredible line from the book, the shack. It said, just because I work incredible good out of unspeakable, unspeakable tragedies doesn't mean I orchestrate the tragedies, you know. And I had to learn that through this because I got to tell you, those days, those dark days right afterwards when I, I was full of getting things handled, which is kind of my nature, hmm. um, those dark days, I would finish those days and I'd get on my knees and I'd and I thank God for my family and I thank God for my sobriety. And I'd say, but we're not good, you and me. You took my kid, you know. And uh, the third night after I, you know, let him know that he and I were not on the same path, I got a message back in my head that said, I didn't take your son. You know, I welcomed him home, but his free will and recklessness caused him to come home. And I lost a son, too. At that point, I realized God didn't take my boy and he doesn't move us around like chess pieces. I realized that events happen, free will happens, exit points happen, things that I was going to learn about going forward happen. Um, and what, I, what, what, was I gonna, what was I going to do now about it, you know?
And, uh, and that's where we start this journey, you know, specifically the first book, my search for Christopher on the other side, you know, uh, 16 years before I had met with uh, a medium and uh, it was more of a, I don't know, maybe a, a vision quest a journey, something spiritual. And it was, it was okay. You know, now remember I'm from a big Irish Catholic family. So there was a lot of loss. My parents were gone. I had a brother go over, but there was nobody that I had this kind of loss with. So I finished this medium session with this wonderful gal and she, uh, and she uh, 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 said to me at the end, she said, you know, and, and it was pretty mundane, to be honest with you. I was like looking at my watch going, all right, you know, I'll write the check. Let's get out of here. And she said, your dad's here and he's holding a caboose and he's telling you railroad. Now, if you look behind me, there's a railroad lantern on my dresser back there on my bookcase. And the whole family was railroad. You know, my dad spent 40 years. My grandfather was on the railroad. My uncle Bill, all the boys in the family worked on the railroad. There were five of us through school. I stayed on and worked as a brakeman on the railroad, worked with my dad a few times. So we were a railroad family. That's who we were, you know. If somebody was a coach, they're, 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 you know, they were a coach's family. If you were a cop, you know, it was a cop's family. So we were a railroad family. So when she said that, it, it struck home. And what I did is I took that piece of information and put it in a, a file cabinet in, in the back of my head, in my mind. And 16 years later, I drew on that. And I called her and we started talking about what's next. Where's Christopher? What happened? You know, and in that first instance was amazing because she told me things about the accident that I didn't know until the police report came. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty mm. amazing. And she said, Chris was there and that, you know, he had just transformed and, and he was pretty surprised. He thought he was like most 21 year olds, uh, invincible. And by the time he realized he was crossing over, it was too late. And it was kind of an OF moment, you know. And, uh, um, you know, and I, I needed, at that point, I needed more, you know. So if Christopher had crossed over and I knew my dad was somewhere because he connected with me, I needed to find out if this was real, this, this metaphysical, uh, you know, line of thinking was real or if it was BS, you know. And if it was BS, Shelly, I wanted to know and figure out another way to heal, right? right. Um, but what I found out was uh, it was an amazing amount of information that changed the course of my life. And that's where we started. Before I get on to other questions that I want to ask, I want to make a statement that your sobriety, I mean, you just should be so proud of yourself. I'm proud of you. I know our audience. I mean, that's a huge, huge accomplishment. And um, it's just, it's phenomenal. And it's amazing from what you've been through that you continue to have that. You know, it's funny that, that you would say that, but um, the last thing in the world I wanted to do was pick up a drink. I wanted to run away. I wanted to take my dog, my golf clubs, my Jeep and drive down to Key West. You know, I, I didn't want to face the world. I didn't want to be responsible anymore. But of course I had to, you know. Um, but it never did it cross my mind that a drink would make this thing better, you know. And, and another thing was that the reason I'm doing what we're doing, you and I talk and writing books and, and, and for me, writing books is like breathing air. I mean, I don't know what I'd do if I wasn't writing because I know my son's with me when I write. Um, 
you know, but like sobriety, you got to give it away to keep it, right? I'm giving this amazing connection and insight. I got a view master into the other side, you know, and what, how people, what happens to people when they take that step across that, that divide, right? Um, but if I don't use that, or if I don't help others with that, I could risk losing it. Same thing with, you know, a lot about sobriety is, is helping others, right? You know, because you're given this million dollar gift to sobriety. I had no, I have no business being here at 64, almost 65, as wild as I was, much less successful and happy and, and, and writing and, and, and whole. Um, so I know it's a gift, you know, so that was that struggle that I had with God. It's like, what? look, the same God that removed the compulsion for me to drink took my kid until I had to make peace with the fact that he didn't take them. He doesn't take anybody's kid. You know, events cause people to cross over. And he grieves with us as a loving father, I believe. You know, so it kind of reset my thinking of who this guy is, you know, that Christopher's with now. Absolutely. So you mentioned your son, William, a minute yeah. ago. And I wanted to ask specifically, I know you've got Sally and you have such a wonderful relationship. Congrats on your anniversary. Thank but you. I, want, I also wanted to ask about, like, what do Carolyn and William say when you first started receiving this <laughs> communication from their brother? And how has that played out over the years? I'm, I'm very curious. That's a great question. And especially for parents who've lost kids who have siblings, you know, and everybody grieves on their own. Sally and I grieved entirely differently. Sally shut down for six months, you know, occupied herself with photos and thank you cards. And, and it was a beautiful outpouring. There were, Shelly, there were 2,000 people at his wake. 2,000, you know. Um, they left the funeral parlor. Grace Martinson, who was the funeral director, left the funeral parlor open for two hours so that everybody could go through. You know, it was amazing. You know, the outpouring of love and commitment. And uh, so, uh, you know, so you know, Sally occupied herself with that and kind of took a leave of absence from work. And, and I did just the opposite. You know, I filled as much of the hours in my day with activity so that I didn't break, so that I didn't crumble, you know. And so mm -hmm. it's just different ways of healing. Uh, Caroline is my 25-year-old who was teaching in Milwaukee and, and with COVID, it just got too screwy. So she's working with me. I'm a mortgage broker in the city, doing great. And, uh, and William's a, a, a junior now at, at, at Boulder. Um, mm. But they grieve separately, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, Christopher wasn't the greatest brother in the world. He was a great friend, great son. Uh, great pal. Um, but, but he wasn't, you know, he was kind of an indifferent brother is a lot of 21 year olds are growing up and they had just started getting closer then, right. Lately. So Caroline, to be honest with you is, and I'm, I'm not going to go into her story, but she's doing great, but she's mad. She's angry at him that we were finally getting close and you left me, you know, um, William has, um, connected with mediums and, and, gotten a bunch of messages and signs from Chris. Um, and I think Chris is always around both of them, you know, and he's told me he is, you know, so, but everybody's grief, you know, four people in family left and we all grieve differently, you know? Um, and, and, and I think 
you know, eventually Christopher's going to seep into both of their lives. I know he's trying. And, and he tells me things like, yeah, he's going to be okay. You know, or, you know, she'll eventually hear me, you know? So, um, so that's, and I, and I, 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 you know, made the decision not to try to make anybody grieve the way I did. You know, I just have to respect yeah. that, you know, and it worked and Sally's magnificent. She's a, she's, you know, uh, she, she's a therapist and, she, and she's working. She's got an office in the house and it's mostly zoom stuff now the last couple of years. Yeah. She's I got know the feeling. Practice. Yeah. Right. Right. She's got a <laughs> private practice and, 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 and kicking butt. And she just came back from a writer's retreat in Montana where um, she's finishing up her book. Um, you know, she's, she's funny because she laughed and said, you finished your second book for, and she started first, right? She started writing a book first and I'm actually starting a third already. So I said to her, Hey, I'd like to talk to you about this, you know, this, uh, uh, you know, I wrote this chapter. She goes, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, so, you know, that's just, but, but she's a, she's an absolute perfectionist. And, and, and I think her book's going to be poetry and it'll be a wonderful book. So that that'll be coming out. Yeah. Wow. You know, when, when it's ready, <laughs> but when uh, it's ready, you know, but, but, you know, things have worked for her. She did a, a healing um, uh, that really changed her psychic, emotional, mental, metaphysical world. Um, I tried one. I didn't like it. Right. I mean, it's, so it's all, right. it's all different, right? Everybody's got to, you know, why am I given this gift to connect with my Christopher? I don't know, you know, but I'm grateful as heck for it, you know, but there's a responsibility that goes with it too, you know. Um, like I said, you got to give it away to keep it. Exactly. It's along those lines, you talked about, um, and you mentioned her a minute ago as well, your beloved sister, Marsha. Yeah, and I was wondering yeah. if you could just talk about, it's just, I'm getting the chills. What yeah. happened shortly before her crossing and, and what she told you to me, um, I feel like you're, you're doing your job. You know what? Really. Marsha was a huge source of life. I was youngest of 10 kids. And so Marsha was on the older group of four and they're all on the other side now together. Um, and she was the last to make that journey and she had cancer and she was a source of love and strength. And, you know, she was also the woman who said to me in, in uh, 1983 that, if, you know, she said, if you don't stop drinking, stay away from me. She said, we already buried one brother. If you don't stop drinking, stay away from me and my kids. And it was the first time that anybody made me accountable, much less this figure of love and support in my life, right? And that's what got me on the journey. You know, I didn't want to lose her respect and love. And that started me on this journey. So she was, a, and like me, she was a source of love for Christopher, a huge source of love for Christopher. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, she, I'm, I'd, I'd go out and visit her you know, all the, you know, we, you know, we started going out there when Chris was born and he just adored her. Chris was one of those guys didn't really trust adults, but he trusted her, you know, completely. And they just adored each other. And, uh, and so, I mean, he would be visiting friends in Florida or whatever, and he'd always insist on going over to see Aunt Marsha. You know, he wouldn't not, you know, guys would, they'd go drive across the coast from Fort Lauderdale to, to Naples to, because he insisted on seeing his Aunt Marsha. And so there was this wonderful bond of love. Uh, so when she was getting ready to transition and, and she died, uh, I'm looking at her, uh, her mass card next to Christopher's, February 6, 2019. So I'd gone out there uh, Christmas before and, and around Christmas time to visit. And, 
and I was out there a couple of weeks before she transitioned. And, uh, and she said to me, you know, when she was in the in hospice and she said, uh, we were alone. And she said, honey, and she would say that and I'd just start crying, you know, and, and I would just say, <clears throat> I'd be visiting her and I'd say, you know, this is hard, Marsh. And she goes, I know, honey. She'd say, honey, you gave me the greatest gift. I read your book and I'm not afraid to die. Now, here's a response from somebody that was a huge source, like a maternal source of love for me growing up. And uh, it was, I was so grateful that I was able to give her some peace when she was transitioning. A couple years later, I was seeing a medium out in the Western suburbs and, and a good gal on my birthday. And, uh, and she said to me, you know, your son's here, of course, but so is a woman, glasses, pretty, smiling. Um, and she said to say, honey, thanks for the greatest gift. You know, and that was my birthday present for the year. So, you know, these things can't, I, I didn't walk in believing this. This wasn't my right. MO, right? Right. Um, you know, I, I wanted to find out if this were a path or, and I was a car dealer for 30 years. It's not like I'm a naive cat. Right. Um, so, so, you know, I, I, I went in saying, okay, if this is real, I want to know it. And if it's not, I want to know it. So I had a couple of sessions with right after Christopher died with a, a wonderful medium and Nancy Meyer, she's now in, uh, and we run, I went out and saw her in Arizona a couple years ago. And she's in Arizona, surprise. She was here local when I first saw her. And then after Chris had transitioned, I called her on the phone. But now, since she was on the phone, I wanted to find a medium that could look me in the eye. I wanted to, I wanted to look in your eye while you're talking to my son. A couple of reasons, because I wanted to. <laughs> and, and if it's BS, I'd know it, right? I'd know mm -hmm. if you're lying to me. Um, and so... Uh, you know, I, I went online and, and there was a, a guy who wrote, he was an investigator, um, and he wrote a really good book uh, about the same thing. He, his dad had passed away and he just wanted to see if this was real or not. He was a, not a psychic investigator, he was a private eye in LA. And, and, and so he, you know, uh, I, I looked on a website, it turned out to be his, and I didn't even know that for oh, quite a while later. Looked on a website for somebody local, this guy named Andrew Anderson. And he was about 35 minutes away, which is manageable, right? And uh, so I made a, an appointment. I always figured I can, uh, I can cancel, right? This is, if this isn't for me, I'll get a message and I'll cancel. So the morning of, uh, and I'll tell you what it was. It was uh, June 30th of 2016. It was June 30th of 2016. Um, because it was a day after Sally and my anniversary. And uh, before I left the house, I, I, I reached into a jewelry box and pulled out a, a, a bracelet that Christopher had given me. I keep it on my, on my uh, steering wheel. It was a bracelet that Christopher had given me from uh, when, he, when we were in uh, Disney World. And it said dad on it. And it had Goofy on the clasp, you know. And I just put that on under a cuff. And I had ordered shamrock seeds from Amazon. Now, I covered it in the first book. I didn't cover it in the second book that I had moved this grave over one. So I buried him you know, in January of 
you know, of 2016 in the middle of the winter. So when the snow started to break up, I saw that he was buried next to another couple. And I thought, this isn't going to happen, you know. And I was mad at the woman who sold me the plot, you know, that she didn't explain that to me or, you know, get out of the car. And uh, so I called them and, 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 and at the cemetery main office and asked them about that. And they said, uh, you, know, you know, gee, that's too bad. And I go, too bad. You should do it for free. Well, we settled on half, you know, but, but I moved them over one. And at the time, I'm thinking, am I spending all this money? Is this stupid? Is this just dumb? Best move I ever made. I got, I, I got a message from Spirit says, do it. So I moved him over one grave and I'll occupy the grave he was in. Sally's on the other side. I had three graves and it's perfect. I go there all the time. Now you got to understand, I go there all the time. It's not like an old man, you know, feeding pigeons in the park. It's not pathetic. It's not sad. I go there with my lab, a cigar, a folding chair. I have a bag full of cleaning stuff. I, I clean the stones. I clean the stuff. And, and there's a, there's kind of a group of you know, people that we all got to know in the, in the, and we all know each other's stories in the cemetery. It's open 24 hours. I'll go there sometimes middle of the night and, leave and launch a Chinese lantern. And you think it would be creepy, but it's just the opposite. You know, it's amazing. So, so I go to see Andrew Anderson. And before I go, I said, I'm always early. I'm always on time. So I stopped at the grave and I planted shamrock seeds around his grave because the dirt was loose because they had just moved them. And because uh, they couldn't do it until the ground had thawed. And uh, so I get to Andrew's house and, and I walked into his office, as you'd expect, you know, with the sage. I mean, I've got the same thing going here. You know, I, do, I look like a guy that burns sage and crystal and candles, but I am now. And, uh, and I walked in and, and uh, he had a, a beautiful poster of Chinese lanterns. And, and, uh, and he said, you know, Christopher's here and, and uh, he looks like Brad Pitt, he's beautiful. He said, Christopher acknowledges that your family on the other side got together and celebrated something yesterday. What was that? I said, well, that was Sally and my wedding anniversary. He said, Christopher acknowledges you wearing the bracelet he gave you. And Christopher acknowledges you stopped by his grave and planted something today. Yeah, those were the shamrock seeds. Nobody in the world knew that. It's not like I was okay. hiding it. It was just, that's the moment, Shelley. I went from believing to knowing. I knew that he's telling me things that nobody knows, um, nobody could know. And, and so that's when I went from, I'm in. And, you know, continued I searched with other mediums, you know, spirit circles, sessions, you know, chakra, meditation, all that to find out, to do anything to get closer to my boy on the other side. You know, um... I do want to say this, you know, when, when we see your books, both of them, yeah. the first thought I think that someone would have is, oh my God, this poor man, his family, this is going to be a tearjerker. I don't know <laughs> if I can go through this without bawling my head off. And you mentioned a minute ago, um, the lantern. And in the second book, I was wondering if you could oh, yeah. just share your little lantern escapade, because I have to say, you know, even I am not expecting that you just bring us right out of expectation. And I'm actually having, I'm laughing, I'm practically laughing, just thinking about it. And I was wondering if you could share your little sure. lantern sure. story with so us. So I had come back from uh, Canada 
and we would go there every every year. Family reunion, big Irish family, forty of us. We'd play golf, swimming. Every there'd be a circle down at the beach every day for about six hours, and everybody did what they wanted to do, and everybody'd have a dinner, and it was always great. And uh, so I wanted to launch a lantern in Canada. Well, typical Sally and I. It's uh, you know she was leaving a couple of days early, and and so I saw the lantern, packed it. So instead of that, I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll launch it when I get home, you know, at the grave. And uh, it had been a dry <laughs> summer. And uh, so they, they come in a packet and it's a little wax on the bottom. There, by the way, I found a better lantern than that one to do, by the way. And so the theory is that you light the, the, the whatever the fuel cell is, whether it's wax or cardboard, the, the gas fills up a paper lantern it lifts up into the air, flies away. You know, you meditate on it. You look at it. You send it up as a gift, whatever, and you and, and you go home. That's the theory. The reality was, you know, I lit it on fire. Ground was dry. I laid it on the ground to fill up. The grass started burning around it. I, my dog started attacking it. I was scared to hell that the neighbors were going to you know, call the cops, the, the whole lantern started on fire. Then it started going up and I thought it was going to catch the trees on fire. You know, finally everything settled in, you know, I scurried around like a, like a little pack rat and got rid of all the evidence, you know, but, and, and, and I said in the book that I knew my son was on the other side with a pal or two, just nodding his head, laughing at his knuckleheaded dad and dog creating this havoc you know, at, at Sacred Heart Cemetery, you know. So the bottom line is, you know, my son was a funny kid. You know, I kind of look at things with a, a different bent myself. So it's a tragic story. But there's, you know, but there's humor in any family event, you know, and there's humor in, in our lives. And so, you know, just because my heart's broken doesn't mean I can't, you know, enjoy humor and fun and laughter and friendship. And I've got unbelievable family. And I say to people in the book, you know, I lived a life far beyond my wildest dreams. You know, marry the woman of my dreams. You know, it's too late for her now, but I, I married way over to my pay grade. You know, I, I, out, <laughs> I punted my coverage with that girl. You know, had, had th have three amazing kids, one on the other side. I get to connect with the other, the other one on the other side. I've got these amazing friends. You know, I played hockey up until last year when my finally my body just said enough was enough, you know. And so I've, I've been allowed these outlets and, you know, a sober life with sober friends and, and buddies and, 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 and my pals are real, you know, kind of salt of the earth guys, you know. And, uh, and at the end of the day, you know, if, if God time to call me in, right. Tap me on the shoulder. It's the time to go, man. Now I'm in no hurry to go. I have books to write. I got pe people to touch, talk to groups to help. But if God said time to go sport, you know, man, you know, I'm okay. I'm good. You know, cause I get to spend the next, cause next round with my boy. Cause he told me I would. Right. So, you know, so the bottom line is when I'm talking to you or talking to the book, 
don't feel sorry for me. I had the greatest job in the world. I got to be Christopher's dad for 21 years, 21 years, 21 years of memory, love, and we still have a relationship. Now, the relationship's nowhere near as good. I would rather be abysmally ignorant of the metaphysical and be watching the Bills game on Monday Night Football with a pizza with my boy. I would. I'd make that trade in a heartbeat. But you can't unring the bell. You know, the event is the event. What are you going to do about it? Right. You know, and this me searching and seeking and finding out is, is what I'm doing about it and trying to help, you know. You know, um, you you brought up the image, which I, I love about your books of you going out to the grave. You've got your chair, you've got your cigar, you've got yeah. your dog. You may or may not be burning the place to the ground. But I'm done. I'm done creating fire at the at sacred heart <laughs> and there's this you're mentioning it as well in the book like okay don't feel sorry for me um is it morbid and sad that i come out to this grave and you said no because you're talking about thin places and yeah. encourage the readers to find their own so tell us what is a thin place and why is um, christopher's grave one of those for you that's a great term, isn't it? Thin places. It is. right? It's a great place. And, and a thin place, excuse me. I, you know, I'm a little sentimental. I'm Irish, you know, and I got a little bit of head cold. Uh, and I've had both shots, so it's not COVID. So, you know. Okay. Yeah, um, no, there's always that, I guess. I know. No, it's just I got a little head cold. Um, weather's changing here in, in Illinois. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I heard this term, thin places, um, and I absolutely... I don't know if it was Van Prague or John Holland, but one of their books. Um, and it was like, wow, that's amazing. I love that. It's where the, the veil is thinnest, you know, in certain spots. Now, my first experience with what, what I guess was a, a real awakening for a thin place was in November 2016. My best friend, Al Conrad, was getting married. He'd lost his wife 13 years before from cancer, and he was finally found love and healing. And, and we were, he was great for me because he had been through not the loss of a son, but loss of somebody pretty significant, you know? So I would bounce things off him and I would take advice from him when I wouldn't take advice from anybody. You know, uh, one of the things he told me, he said, look, I'm going to tell you, he said, after Debbie died, people would say stupid things, right? You know, I know what your loss is like. I lost a cat, you know, or whatever. And I'd tell him how stupid they were. And he said, so then the next, I spent the next couple of years trying to rebuild those friendships. He said, so you know, give you a little advice, restraint of pen and tongue. He said, you know, when people say dumb things, they don't mean to say dumb things. You just don't know better. Nod and move on, you know, and it was great advice. And I heeded it. Yeah. So I went out to his wedding and I believe me, this is November of 16. You know, I don't want to go anywhere. You, you know, I went to two places that year. I went and talked to the boys at Imbalance Ranch, which is a, a boarding school for boys with addiction, teen boys. And I love these guys because they're just like me, you know, and they're like my son. And, uh, and I really connect with them. And I think the, I get the point across to them. Um, and, and, and so I went there out of obligation. And then I went to, you know, the following weekend to Sarasota. And I wasn't even going to be able to golf. So, it was, you know, it was even a double whammy. But I knew it was important now. So I went there and, and, I always make an Irish goodbye at, at parties. You know, you never even, people tell me the next day, oh yeah, remember when this happened? I was gone hours before. You just don't notice it, you know? You just make that exit and, and you see the opening and you go. So it was at his wedding, the same champagne 
corks were sharp, sharp and popping. And a few of us were outside having a cigar. It was pretty cool. You know, there was a little table out there and we were having a cigar on the sidewalk. And I saw an opening and, and opened an a, a Uber for a, a guy and his wife at the door as a courtesy and just kept going and ended up on a beach in Sarasota. And it was at night and I rolled up pant legs and took off my loafers and had a cigar and walked out on the beach. And I felt this overwhelming sense of spirit. And I just felt, I had never felt closer to my son and connected. It was amazing. And I couldn't believe it. It was, it was a spiritual awakening, you know, and the next day, uh, you know, there was a barbecue and I did the same thing. I disappeared and went to a different beach and, uh, and one was Lido and the other was Siesta Key. I had the same amazing experience. And I was back at both of them this year, you know, and had this really wonderful experiences. And it turns out that Siesta Key sand isn't sand. I didn't believe this. I thought it was an old wives tale until I looked it up. It's quartz crystal that came down from the Appalachian Mountain 2000 years ago. So you can walk on Siesta Key and it's 90 degrees and you can walk on your feet. Don't get hot because it's not sand. So, you know, I think it's, it's like a generator or it's, you know, like a crystal, you know, these things, they're like cell phone advancers, you know, that pick up, um, you know, waves. And so it was an amazing experience because of that. I said, wow, if that's, a thin place. I want to find more. You know, what does this mean? Right. Um, the grave is a thin place. The room I'm in, this was Christopher's bedroom growing up. And, and so when I meditate, I can see him with a limb hanging over the bed or a foot sticking out. And you know, his bed was right over here. And so he, this is a good place for him, you know, and so we connect in this room. I've done 90% of my writing here. I, I do some, the other, maybe 20, I do it. I've done it Marsha's. Uh, house in Florida, which the kids kept. And I spent two months there this year. And I'm spending two months again to Sally's uh, delight. <laughs> I, I can wear on you. And, uh, and so <laughs> I thought, wow, this is amazing. I want to know about thin places. So I started experiencing them. I started you know, planning on, it. and I did a trip to Arizona when I went to the fundraiser for the ranch, talked to the boys, drove back up to Phoenix, then up. And I thought, I'll go to Sedona, right? And I expected to be knocked off my, my saddle. I thought, man, this is, and I got there and it was a really cool trip. Um, there was a woman there who was my spirit guide. And I, I opted not to go with the guy with the Aussies hats and the pink uh, Jeeps. I went with this spirit woman. I saw her give a, uh, uh, I, I saw her give a presentation on, on, on Sedona and, and uh, the vortex. And I thought, okay, she's the right gal. Well, it turns out she grew up in Buffalo, an old hippie, right? She just came back from a vision quest where, you know, she had fasted in the desert and whatever. I mean, she was really the real deal, right? And so we did this great tour and we did a spirit circle and, you know, she spent two extra hours with me than she was supposed to, but it's her company. Um, and then she looked at me halfway up and said, by the way, I'm a medium. She goes, I don't practice because my tour business is my main source of income, but your son's been with us ever since we got here. You know, he's been with you the entire time. And I thought, you know, wow, that's great. But I know it was just, and I, and I wasn't surprised, but it was really a, a fun, you know, fun fact. And uh, he, uh, 
So, but I expected this, the, the vortex itself to move me and I felt vibrations. I thought it was cool, but a bit of a letdown, right? I thought, wow, this is, this isn't for me. Right. And, uh, yeah. and so then I decided, you know, I, I, I was going home to Buffalo to a book signing on my way to Canada for a week that year. And I, and I, and I, and I decided to stop in Lilydale. Now Lilydale, uh, you know, yeah. Now, here's the crazy thing. My buddy was talking about Lilydale. I thought it was up in the, you know, Adirondacks where R- Rumpelstiltskin lost his sneakers, right? I, <laughs> it was 45 minutes from where I grew up. It was half hour from 10, 15 minutes from where I went to college. Um, and so I said, okay, I, I investigated Lilydale. I saw this wonderful, uh, nobody dies in Lilydale. It, uh, it was a documentary. So I saw that. Now, after my Sedona experience, I was a little leery of being too worked up and being let down, right? Disappointment. It was just the opposite. You know, I went to Lloydale, had an amazing meet reading. My daughter, Caroline, was with me. She had an amazing reading. And she's a little closed down to this stuff, but but it penetrated. And then at three o'clock in the morning, I went to where twice a day at Inspiration Stump, mediums do readings just yeah. for everybody. And I thought that was really cool. So I went there at three o'clock in the morning, you know, hoping to connect with Chris. Now I got to tell you the energy at you know, three o'clock in the morning, you know, middle of nowhere is, is a little weird. I grabbed a flashlight, walked through the woods. I felt more energy than I've ever psychic energy. I've ever felt in my life. I'm not a medium. I don't want to be medium. I, you know, Shelly, I don't want to talk to your grandmother. Right. I want to connect with my dad, my sister, my, my son, of course, you know, I walked through, it was, it was like a wave of electricity as I'm approaching this place. Then I got to inspiration stump and did what you're not supposed to do. I stood on the stump because it said, don't stand on the stump. And I'm still a bad kid at heart. So I stood on the stump. <laughs> it was great. But the energy kind of waned. And then leaving, I felt the same unbelievable and basically it was i you know you're thinking thousands and thousands of souls come to connect with their with their earth you know loved ones and so that energy is still all there so i was just absolutely overwhelmed overjoyed um it was an experience that i had never thought about you know what it was like really experiencing and digesting what energy means you know, because we say that energy never dies, right? And it and 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 it and it, and it doesn't. You know, um, so that was just a what a huge rebound after being a little disappointed. Now I got to tell you, other people have gone to Sedona and had the same reaction that I had at Lilydale. So my thin place isn't necessarily yours. You know, you know. Now I got to tell you, I got a feeling. Siesta Key, go to Siesta Key at night, and tell me you can take your shoes off and meditate and tell me you're not knocked out. You know, here's a funny story. I went to visit my sister. It was right before she crossed over. And since I always connect with Chris on any beach at night, but specifically the Gulf coast, I don't know why, maybe I'll figure it out before I die, before I cross over. But I went down to the Naples beach at night, sat on the, sat on the sand, fired up a cigar and was meditating and trying to connect with my boy look at the moon. It's just incredible. I got a message that said, go to Siesta Key. I was like, oh, dude, I'm flying out in the morning. 
that's four hours round trip, close to it, right? And I said, all right, I'm going to make a deal. I'm going to go back to the car, get my cell phone, look up Siesta Key. If it's closed, I'm not going. Get back to the car, cell phone, Siesta Key, beach, open 24 hours. I said, all right, here we go. Stopped at my sister's, grabbed a couple of Red Bulls, a few more cigars, and, and, and headed up and went on the beach. And it was unbelievable. I mean, the same crazy, wonderful engulfing. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's like if you're, if you're under a tree and you step out under a tree in the shade, you step out in the sunshine and you just feel bathed in that. Yeah. That's kind of how I used to describe the state of grace. You know, you'd feel bathed in this yeah. sunlight. That's how I feel with the energy, but it's constantly moving. It's just this, I get a chill on the back of my neck. Chris is here now. I get a chill on the back of my neck. I know that that he's around. So I went there and, and I, and early on, I texted my friend, a Shelly, uh, and, and or Sherry Jewel, who's a medium and said, I'm going up to see us key. And so I'm laying on the, and I've looked at, this is the most beautiful stars I've ever seen better in Alaska, better in Caribbean, better, uh, unbelievable. The stars were just so clear and so beautiful. And I felt so connected. And I get a text from her that says, lay on your back and look at the stars. Well, I was laying on my back and looking at the stars already, you know, and she said, Chris is here. And I knew that. So it was just this amazing experience. And, and I knew what happened. And, 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 and I could just picture Christopher up with one of his buddies and said, see, I told you the old man would show, you know, when I talked to parents <laughs> and say, would you drive two hours to spend an hour with your kid? Of course you would. Yeah. It's a no brainer. You know, so what I tell people all the time is listen to that voice, that higher voice. It's a higher voice. You know, it's, you yeah. know, the one that's telling you to cheat, lie, steal is the lower voice. You know, the one that tells you, you know, go somewhere and open up is the higher voice. You know, listen to that voice, you know, because if you listen to that voice, you'll feel that connection. I was speaking to a, a group one time and, and uh, somebody in the audience, and, and I love my favorite part, Shelly, of any of these I talk to groups, helping parents heal or whoever is Q and a from parents, right? Because man, that's who I want to connect with. I want them to know it's not over. Ball game's not over. Right. Mm -hmm. This woman said to me, you know, my sister's been gone three years and I've never connected with her. And I looked at her, I said, try harder. You know, you got to do your part. You know, it's not like, you know, you want something from Amazon, you got to order it. Right. And you got to follow the directions, right? Shipping. I accept these terms or whatever. Right. And Amazon where my book is. So if you want to do that, you can do that. But but, but if you're yeah, going to put it over, you got to follow the rules, right? And so that's what I do. You know, if if that means connecting, driving two hours when I got an early morning flight, I don't care, right? This is right. more important. Right. We're all going. Here's what cracks me up, Shell. We're all going, right? There it is. Um, we're all going. So I'm going to, uh, uh, you know, we're, 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 you know if wherever I'm going, on a vacation or a trip or speaking or, or whatever. I Google, I look around for restaurants or a cigar shop or a beach, you know, where I'm going to stay. I Google. And, uh, and I, so we're all going to the other side, but nobody's Googling, right? <laughs> like what's next, you know, I'm Google I'm trying to figure out because we're all going and it's awesome. Right. But Absolutely. you got you to do your part to connect, you know, and Chris says to me, Dad, when you cross, he said, for me, it was a shock. I didn't expect it. 
when you cross, it won't be a surprise. And the learning curve will be a lot less because of what I'm telling you. And I'll be there to meet you. He said, you're going to, then what a gift, right? He said to me, it's going to be like crossing over a stream. The minute you cross over, I'll be there. That is so beautiful. Yeah. Joe, God bless you and your family. Friends, listen, Joe, hold up part one and I'm going to hold up part two. Friends, you need to check these out. This is so beautiful, Joe. Thank you so much for listening to your son and for following your path. It is helping others realize this is a journey and it's a beautiful one. And you've, you've just done a beautiful job. Thanks, Shelly. I I sure appreciate the uh, We will have the links to these books, friends, below. You need to get them immediately. Immediately, if not sooner. (laughs) Laughs along the way as well. Yeah, you will. Beautiful work, Joe. God bless you and your family. Thanks, Shell. Thanks very much. I sure appreciate it. Hi friends, Dr. Shelley here. Guess what? You're not going to believe this. I have another book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide. It will be out on December 8th and it's called Blast from the Past, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories. So earlier in the 2000s, I wrote a book series, which I have discussed on the Healing Arts Podcast about a phenomenon I call Supretravi spontaneous past life memories. This is when we're trying to mind our own business and yet we're hit with this picture, thought, or feeling about something that happened to us in the past. This was happening to me all the time while I was traveling to other places and what I found through my research is that I truly believe this happens to every single person alive. The book has some incredible endorsements from people like Coast to Coast's George Norrie and others. And it would mean the world to me if you will go out and pre-order my book so that you can have it before the holidays when it comes out on December 8th. So check out Blast from the Past, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories, now available in pre-order on Amazon.com. And thank you so much for your support. Namaste. You've been listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at pastlifelady.com or on YouTube at Past Life Lady or connect with me on Facebook at Past Life Lady.